Hello and welcome back to another edition of the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Pagani, joined alongside five-time Stanley Cup champion, Grant Fuhr. Grant, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, thanks. That's great to hear, especially during these unfortunate times. You know, uh, going into the interview here, who influenced you to start hockey? Uh, you know what? My parents, pretty much. I mean, they enrolled me in hockey, plus my dad played a little bit, so... That's what got me started with the love of the game. That's great to hear. You know, I've been doing a lot of interviews, and, yeah, parents seems to be the majority of the answer when I ask that. And, uh, you know, it's good to have uh, someone to look up to uh, when you first start out. Oh, definitely. And as a kid, you need your parents' help. They're going to shuttle you around. They've got to get you equipment. So there's a lot that goes into it that parents don't get a lot of credit for. Yeah, I must, uh, I must agree with you there. Now, uh, with this quarantine going on, a lot of people have uh, turned to Netflix, among other things. Uh, and on that Netflix uh, topic, a lot of people have been watching Tiger King. Uh, what have you been doing during quarantine? Uh, working on my golf game, mainly. I mean, yeah, watching a few series, some NCIS, some NCIS New Orleans, watching a little bit of that, watching a few movies, but mostly working on my golf game. And how is your golf game going? Are you good short and long? Uh, you know what? It's actually been pretty good. It's nice to actually spend some time practicing. I normally just go out and play, but with quarantine and everything, there isn't much else to do, so I've actually been able to put a little bit of work into it. Now, your goal is to make the Masters, right? Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> We're just trying to keep it somewhere around scratch. So if I can do that as an old guy, I'm happy. That, that must be correct. Uh, so what were, going into your hockey now with the Oilers, uh, what were your feelings on getting drafted in 1981, eighth overall to the Oilers? You know, it's an awesome feeling. I mean, obviously, I'd left home to go to Victoria to play junior. So to get drafted and be able to go back home to turn pro was phenomenal. I mean, there's nothing better than playing in front of your friends and family. Did you ever have any high expectations going eighth overall? For myself, no. I was just happy to get drafted. And honestly, it was a little bit of a shock I went that high. And going to Edmonton, they had Andy Moog there. They had just come off a big series with Montreal. They had Ronnie Lowe, Gary Edwards, Eddie Mio. So they had a lot of veteran guys there. So it was a little bit of a surprise going there. Now, you played with such famous players, you know, in Gretzky, Messier, Curry. I, with the core you had there, did you think you could win four Stanley Cups in five seasons? No. And you know what? We didn't worry about it. We just played because we enjoyed playing. And I think that was the fun part is our guys all enjoyed being at the rink. We enjoyed each other's company. We just played to get better and better. Now, what was memorable about that run? Uh, probably the group of guys more than anything. I mean, it was like a big family. Everybody fit in. And I think that's what makes good teams. You have to have that chemistry and you've got to have all the guys wanting to play for each other. With winning uh, four Stanley Cups out of uh, five opportunities, there comes a winning high, some uh, would say. How did you remain focused without getting on that winning high? Well, I think, first off, everybody wants to win a cup. After you win a cup, there's, once you get that feeling, you'll do just about anything to get that feeling again. So, and we thought we could get better and better. And I think that was the fun part is we didn't set our goals any lower. If you won one year, then you wanted to win the next year. And if you didn't win, you were disappointed. So you pushed that much harder. Speaking of disappointment, uh, you were in net when Steve Smith infamously scored on you to cost the team the 1986 playoffs against the Flames. Uh, take me through your feelings when that happened. Uh, you know what? It was just one of those things that happens in hockey. I mean, you're going to get good breaks. You're going to get bad breaks. And unfortunately, it was one of those bad breaks that happens. And 
when things like that happen, then it makes you grind a little harder the next year. Do you keep in contact with Steve? I still see him around once in a while. I mean, I saw him a lot when I was in Phoenix. I'd see, run into him a bit and see him around Edmonton a little bit. So, yeah, we still keep in touch. Most of the guys still keep in touch. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, do you ever joke around with uh, Steve about that moment? No, I think we've all kind of put it in the past. It's In the proverbial hockey world, it's one of those where everybody just says shit happens. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, with goal scoring being so prevalent, uh, you know, when you played, uh, do you like how the NHL has switched the size of equipment for goalies? Uh, you know what? It's, it's not bad that it's getting smaller, but I still think if they made it a little heavier, guys would shrink it on their own. Yeah. And that was, that's, why we, that's why we wore small equipment is it weighed a lot. And as it got wet, it weighed more. So you didn't want to wear it big. Yeah, I can definitely see, uh, you know, the two points of view, you know, with uh, today's scoring and, you know, when you played in the 80s. It's crazy, the difference, though, like the style of play. Well, they're trying to recreate what happened in the 80s. Everybody likes offensive hockey. They might not admit that, but everybody loves goals. And you want to see offensive hockey. So the fact that they're trying to get the game back to being an offensive game again, I think is great. Now, I did speak with uh, Daryl Evans about the miracle on Manchester, and I want to just get to your reaction on how crazy that whole series was. You know, it was my first playoff, so it was the first taste I'd had of playoffs, and yeah, things didn't quite go as we planned. I mean, started off not bad, but we had the 5 nothing lead and kind of let that get away, and they got beat 7-4 at home. So I think what, we lose the first game at home 10-8. So, I mean, I didn't think I was long for the league after that playoff. Now, how crazy was it knowing that you boarded the plane with the visiting team? It, back then, that was just the way things worked out sometimes. I mean, obviously, had we won, we wouldn't have to worry about that. But we found a way not to. And it's, it's just one of those things where, at that time, if you're going to charter, teams shared a plane. Yeah, and, and if I remember correctly, you guys sat at the front, right? Uh, you know what? I don't even remember. Because I'm pretty sure uh, Daryl mentioned to me that the Kings sat at the back and you guys sat at the front. And I can't, I can't even imagine how quiet that would have been. Uh, you know what? It's, it was different. But I think most, both teams probably stuck to their own means at that time. Yeah, most, uh, most definitely. Now, where were you when uh, Wayne Gretzky got traded? I was actually out in Newfoundland at Bob Cole's golf tournament. So... One of, the, one of the big surprises in life. Yeah, I'm, you know, it was definitely a big surprise because even the Canadian government tried to uh, stop it from happening. That, I hadn't heard that, but I know it yeah. shocked all the players. I mean, oh, I think yeah, like, oh, the players thing. are definitely shocked. So, for us, it was a giant eye-opener. Now, you did win the Vesna Trophy Award for being the best goaltender in 1988. What, was, what were your feelings when you got the award? I know it was a great year. I mean, I was lucky enough that I think I played 75 games that year. So, I mean, it's the first time where I didn't play with a partner who played half the games. So I got to do a little more of the work, and it was a nice reward at the end of that year. What contributed to your career, like your career longevity? Uh, probably a love of the game more than anything. I mean, you have to have fun for to have longevity, and I enjoyed going to the rink every day right up until I retired. Like, that's the one of the great things about hockey is you can enjoy it every day. That is true. Now, speaking about your uh, long career, uh, you did play in the Canada Cup. How did you find out that you made that roster? 
uh, they, they call you and get a hold of you. So they invite you to the training camp. And when you're at the training camp, they'll let you know whether they're getting ready or not. So you just do as best you can and hang around as long as they tell you to hang around. Do you like how much exposure today's players have with the media? I don't mind that. I mean, obviously, we played in a little more fun era where there was no social media. So that part of it was a lot better for the players. But at the same time, it also helps the players grow their brand a little bit now. Yeah, that's true. You know, players can grow their uh, name easier and they can add more value to it, I guess you could say. They can, but at the same time, they've got to be careful. I mean, mm-hmm. I, that's the other thing is it kind of takes some of the fun out of it too. Yeah, it does. Now, during that Canada Cup tournament, uh, who was the hardest shot to face? Um, from the Soviets, probably would have been Valery Kaminsky. And he seemed to be their best one of their best players. I mean, obviously, the Krutov, Makarov, Larionov line was tough to play against. But at the same time, it was fun to play against. Now, how did the solo crowds affect how the team play? Well, obviously, you're motivated when you're playing for your country. And to have a whole country behind you is a phenomenal feeling. How weird would it be, you know, if you were to play in a game right now without the same electricity the fans were to bring? Because that's the situation we're headed towards. You know, it's going to be different. I mean, I think that's the one thing is, as kids, you played in front of nobody. So at that sense, you've done it before. But as a professional, it would be different. It'd be like training camp where you play in, front of, in an empty building. Yeah, definitely. I might, you know, I must agree with you there. Um, so what was the game plan against uh, Russia? Because, you know, they had so many future Hall of Famers. You know what? We just figured our best against their best. And at the end of three games, you're going to figure out who's better. So the fact that all the games were close, all the games were 6-5, just made for that much more excitement. Now, during that uh, 1987 Canada Cup, uh, best of th- it was a best of three series. You guys fell down one nothing. How crucial was it going into game two to win? Obviously, it was very important. I mean, I think that's the great thing about that team is we were able to dig down and win. I mean, yeah, it's still another 6-5 game, but we found a way to win, and that's what gets us to game three. Going into game three, the Russians scored three goals in eight minutes. How did you make sure to stay focused? Because you were in a gotta-save-every-shot mentality. Uh, it happens sometimes. I mean, it happened a lot in Edmonton, too, where you get down a little bit early. But you also know that we had as much talent as we had, we were going to score some goals. So you just try not to give up that fourth one. So what was the locker room mentality after the first, if you remember? You know what? Nobody was in a mad panic or anything. We knew we would score some goals. We knew we were going to get better. We just had a little bit of a shaky start. Speaking of international play, uh, the NHL didn't allow the uh, players of today's game to go to the 2018 Olympics uh, to participate. What are your thoughts on that? Obviously, you want to showcase the best players against the best players in the world. So I, I never got a chance to play in the Olympics, but I enjoyed seeing the guys play in the Olympics because you always want to see best on best. So I kind of wish they would let them play in the Olympics. Yeah, I, you know, as a fan, it makes the viewing uh, experience much more exciting when you get to see players you know rather than not, you know? It is. It's kind of like the World Juniors. Everybody gets excited over the World Juniors. Well, the Olympics are the same deal except with professionals in it. Yeah, exactly. But with the World Juniors, it's, you know, every year and the Olympics are every four years. So, you know, the Olympics hold that much more value, in my opinion. Oh, no, I'd agree with you on that. And you want to see the elite athletes. I think that's what the Olympics brings out. It brings out the elite athletes in every sport. So that's what you want to see. 
Now, moving back to uh, the NHL, what would you say was your favorite moment uh, with your tenure and uh, being on the Toronto Maple Leafs? Uh, probably putting on a Maple Leaf jersey. I mean, as a kid, you got Toronto or Montreal on Saturday night. So growing up out west, we got a lot of Maple Leaf games. So I figured if I ever was going to play in the NHL, that it'd be pretty cool to play in Toronto and actually get to do that after leaving Edmonton. Definitely was a cool moment. Yeah, it must have been a cool moment. How did you find out that uh, you were going to Toronto? Uh, we were in Ottawa for an exhibition game, and it was a game that I wasn't playing in. There were actually a few of us who weren't playing in it, so we'd gone out to, I don't know if we went to play golf or we went for lunch, but they let us know that we'd been traded. So we went from Ottawa down to Toronto. Oh, wow. Now, I don't know if, uh, did, so with exhibition games, did most of the starters play during, that, during the 80s? Because I know now most of the starters are just rested. Oh, no, in Edmonton, we, all our starters played a lot of games. I mean, okay. I know through my training camps, if I missed one, maybe two exhibition games, that was a light workload. So, Well, yeah, especially for you. I mean, you hold the NHL record for most consecutive uh, games played with 79, I believe. Yeah, that was a good year. We had, we had a lot of fun that year. Yeah, most definitely. Now, you move on from the Leafs to the Sabres and mentor Dominic Hasek. How was it mentoring someone who probably looked up to you? You know, Dom was awesome. I get to play against Dom in the Canada Cups. So having seen him, you realize how good he was. It was just a matter of Dom getting an opportunity to play. And he didn't get much of an opportunity in Chicago because Eddie Belfour was there. So in Buffalo, it was only a matter of time before he was going to get that opportunity. And you knew he was going to be great when he did get that chance. Now, Dominic Hasek went on to be another successful goalie. Do you think, um, do you ever communicate with him uh, at all? You know, the last couple of years, I haven't seen him, but we used to see him at different events and stuff over the course of time. Well, that's, you know, it's good to, for you to, you know, at least uh, keep in touch with all these players you played against, you know, or even played with. Well, that's the fun part of getting old is we're still friends. I mean, when the Edmonton guys get together, it's like we haven't missed a day. And I can sit and have a phone call or talk to people of guys I played with, guys I played against. So the NHL is a close-knit family. Yeah, I'm sure it is, especially since you play with them for, you know, like five-plus years. Well, that's the fun part. I mean, you, get, you make some great friendships over the year, and that's probably the best thing of playing the game is you leave the game with so many good friends. Yeah, yeah, I must agree with you there. Uh, so you moved from the Sabres uh, to the St. Louis Blues. Uh, was it reminiscent at all being with Gretzky again after since uh, he got traded from the Kings to the Blues? Well, you know, St. Louis was a fun place. I mean, when I got there, Chris Pronger just got there. Al McInnes was there. So having played against Al all those years and then sitting beside him in the dressing room, you got an appreciation for how good a defensive defenseman he was. You never saw that as an opposing player. So that was fun. Then they brought Wayne in. We had Dale Howarchuk there, Pierre Tergeron. So it was a talented group we had. It was a very uh, talented group, I must say. Uh, you know, you play with so many skilled players and it's, it's great to uh, have your, you know, your status is one of the best goalies in the NHL. And I think a lot of today's goalies may look up to you, even though you're retired. Uh, you know what? It was a fun time to play. And it's nice to be recognized with all the great guys. But at the same time, it's fun to look up to the guys that played before me, the Terry Sawchucks, Glenn Halls, Tony Espositos. I mean, as a kid, I was big fans of theirs. So it's kind of nice to just kind of fit the different generations. 
Now, you did say that you were a big fan of uh, the Sawchucks uh, and the Halls. Um, did you ever want to emulate one of their styles? Uh, it, when I watched games as a kid, you're trying to pick up little things along the way. I mean, whether you're emulating them or not, you look at things that look like they work and you try and add them to your game. Like right up until my last year, you're always trying to add something. So you're always trying to pick up off of different guys. Do you, do you have any superstitions that you do uh, pregame? No, I just played. That was the fun part. Now, uh, I'm not sure if you know, but like, you know, no goalies usually play 60 or 76 games. Uh, do you ever think that backups uh, today play a more prominent role than they did when you were around? Well, you know what? Andy and I played a lot of games together where we both play in that 40, 41 range. So the two goalie system works well. And at come playoff time, you want to have a two goalie system because if one guy gets hurt, you've got to have another guy that can step right in and play. So I'm a big fan of the two goalie system. Yeah, you know, with uh, and also, you know, like Carolina had two goalie injuries in one game. So that it's such like a crazy situation when, you know, you had an emergency goalie. You had to use that rule uh, that was in play. It is. I mean, but that's the thing. Most goalies love to play more. But at the same time, you have to understand that it's important to have two guys that can play. I mean, if you look at Edmonton right now, they've got uh, Mike Smith and Mikko and Koskinen. Koskinen. So you have to have that two-goalie system. Yeah, uh, you know, and also, like, with the two-goalie system, you could also go deep in the playoffs, and you're more confident if your starter goes uh, down with an injury. You are. Or if he happens to run into a bad streak, you've got somebody who can step right in. And the big part is the players don't lose confidence. I think that's the biggest thing is they don't change their style. They don't change the way they play when the other guy steps in. Now, with the uh, NHL uh, being in a such a weird position, they expanded to 24 teams. What are your thoughts on this whole process? I'm going to be interested to see how it plays out. I mean, I still haven't quite figured out the 24-team deal, but at the same time, it's going to add some interest. I mean, it's going to throw some teams – into the mix that probably wouldn't have been there otherwise. Yeah. Um, you know, see, I don't have an Edmonton hat, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's actually uh, stuck in my dad's house, but the Oilers are facing the Blackhawks and the Blackhawks weren't even originally in the playoffs. So it should make for a great series because you got uh, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane on one side and Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid on the other. That's going to be a good series. That'll be an offensive series, which would be a lot of fun to watch. But it's yeah, opened the door for a few teams that actually wouldn't have been there otherwise. Yeah, you know, it, it's given almost the opportunity, uh, you know, until the points really got spreaded away uh, to some teams, like you said, that wouldn't have been originally in. And it would be fun to see uh, how far those teams go. That's the part that's going to interest me is a team that's going to miss the playoffs all of a sudden gets put in. It could upend the whole thing where all of a sudden they catch fire and get hot. And you could have a team that would have missed win the cup. Because uh, the qualifying round, as they're calling it, is only a best of five. So if you got one hot goalie, then, you know, the other team is in a, almost a screwed position. Oh, yeah. Well, you look at who's going to run into Montreal. Carey Price can steal a best of five series. So all of a sudden, you've got a top seed team going against the team that wouldn't have made the playoffs. And now you've got a hold of a bear. Yeah, and obviously you don't want to upset the bear, as they say. Because, you know, Carey Price, we all know how good he is in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. When you get that, you got the Rangers. They've got the three-goalie system there. They're all very good. They could all steal series. 
So there's a few teams that are going to run into that. And I think one factor that would make this even more exciting is that it's, it's going to be one of the most healthy playoffs in recent history. Oh, everybody's going in reasonably healthy. I mean, you're going to have a couple of teams that have dinged up guys that didn't think they were going to make the playoffs that are all of a sudden in. But at the same time, everybody's going to be healthy. So the team that catches fire the quickest is probably the team that's going to win the cup. Now, speaking of playoffs, you were gearing up for a long 1996 playoff run, but it ended prematurely when Nick Kiprios ran into you and you tore ligaments in your leg. Did you know that you were out right as he ran into you? No, I wasn't really sure. I mean, I'd never ripped up a ligament in a knee before, so I figured that I might be able to come back and play in a couple of days, but it didn't quite work out that way and ended up a lot of work on the knee and a lot of rehab going on. Now, uh, the NHL did release a top uh, 100 greatest players and uh, list, and you were fortunately able to make that list. Uh, how did you find out you made it? Uh, the NHL called, let us know. So obviously that's a great honor. You look at all the guys on that list and just to be included in that group is very special. Yeah, it must be special because, you know, speaking of your old, you have so many accolades that it's, it's just amazing that, you know, to be recognized as one of the top 100 players. It's nice to be recognized, but it's more, the better part of it is you're recognized by your peers. I mean, no, that's, you, that's the greatest thing. Yes, uh, you know, being recognized uh, by the peers who actually voted, I'm pretty sure that's how it worked, right? The, you know, your teammates, uh, people around the league, uh, you know, submitted their votes, correct? Uh, as far as I know. Yeah, so it's also good that those people recognized how good you were. That's a nice topper on the end of your career. I mean, obviously, when you're playing, it's all about the team and the team winning. So it's nice to get a little personal recognition afterwards. Did you ever face any adversity uh, during your long career? There's always ups and downs and different things that go on over the course of a career. So, yeah, I dug myself some holes a couple of times. You see, I saw a little bit of racial diversity when I hit Buffalo. I see, see different ups and downs. It's just a matter of you trying to stay above that. Now, uh, speaking upon uh, that racial uh, diversity that you just mentioned, um, with the George Floyd riots protests being present at this time, um, you know, and Akeem Alou writing that eye opener of an article in the Players Tribune, how did that? How did the racial, uh, you know, af affect you? See, I was very fortunate playing in Edmonton, playing in Canada. A lot of it was they looked at you as a player first and foremost. So I didn't run into a whole lot of it till I hit Buffalo. And at that time, I played long enough in the league that I know a lot of guys that have played, the Bill Rileys, Mike Marson, Val James, guys like that, and what a tough time they'd gone through. So they basically had paved the way for me where I didn't have near as much to go through. Okay. Uh, did you ever read uh, Akeem Alou's story? I did read it. Now, yeah. are, are you – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. Uh, are you able to relate, it, to relate to it on any level? Uh, you know what? Racism's always been around. I mean, it's far back as uh, 30s, 40s, 50s. The fact that it's still there, I think, means society's kind of gone a little backwards the last few years. And it's unfortunate it shouldn't be in sport, shouldn't be in society. Yeah, and it's definitely, it's just, it's a terrible topic. And, you know, it, it, something needs to be done in order for us to progress as a society, progress as a team uh, moving forward. 
into the future? Well, I think it'll society will progress eventually. And it's going to go through some rough bumps and such, but sports should progress faster than that. I mean, there's no place for it anywhere in sport. You know, speaking about this topic, you did uh, set a lot of firsts for black NHL players who, because you were the first black NHL player to win the Stanley Cup and be inducted into the Hall of Fame. What are your reactions on having that accomplishment? Obviously, it's a great honor, but I look at it as more of an honor of representing guys like Willie O'Ree and all the guys that played before me. And I think they laid the groundwork for it. I just happened to be lucky enough to be the person that happened to have those firsts. Yeah, uh, you know, it's, you know, well, Willie O'Ree is also, he got uh, the award for the founder of the NHL, or, um, you know, he was the first ever black person, and I really broke the color barrier, which is, you know, we have to uh, recognize those players in today's hockey game. Oh, most definitely. I mean, and Willie's such a phenomenal man. I think that's the biggest thing, too, is he's a phenomenal person. So it's Willie's due the recognition he's getting. You know, looking back on your uh, long career, is there something you would have done differently? I don't think so. I mean, you got to make mistakes to learn. So I made my share of mistakes. But at the same time, you learn lessons. And the lessons you learn are what makes you the person you are today. So I don't think I'd have done anything differently. I'd love you, to have one more, but that, that's not going to happen. So You were inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2003. Uh, would you agree or disagree that you have accomplished all the goals an NHL player can have? Because you hold multiple records as well. Um, would I have? Yeah, I, there's a couple of I would have liked to have gotten the 500 wins, but that didn't happen. But at the same time, the fact that I got to play in the National Hockey League and have some success and win a Stanley Cup, as a little kid, that's all you ever grew up dreaming of is to be able to play in the league and win a Stanley Cup. So you don't ever think of the Hall of Fame or anything that goes on after that. That's just whipped cream on the top of everything else. Uh, now, how was it uh, lifting that Stanley Cup? Well, there's no better feeling when you're playing. I mean, I think that's the fun part. Did it feel – because a lot of NHL players in interviews say that it feels like a feather. Would you agree? You don't have any idea how much it weighs when you're lifting it on the ice. And afterwards, when you're picking it up, it's a lot heavier than you realize. But there's nothing better than adrenaline and joy when it comes to things like that. You did release a biography about your life. What made you want to write a book on your life? I'd had a couple of people ask if I would ever do it. And being retired and didn't not much going on in the schedule. So I thought I sat down with Bruce Dowabigan and it was interesting to see his take on it being that he was from Calgary and my take on it from being in Edmonton. And then Bruce and I ended up as neighbors down in Calgary. So it was fun to sit with him and actually do the book. That is a uh, fun experience. I must say, did you have ever, did you ever have any uh, challenges with writing the book? No, not at all. I mean, everything you do in life is documented anyway. So the fact that you've lived through it, you've passed through the other side of it, there's no hard parts to it. You got your number retired, number 31, by the Oilers. How was that ceremony? Fabulous. Very emotional, but it's fabulous. I mean, the fact that my kids can go to the rink and it's still hanging there. and It's a little bit of a legacy for the family to see, so it's obviously a great honor. Yeah, that is good. Do you ever go to Oiler games? Do you know, just pop in? I do. When I'm back in Edmonton, if there's a game that night, I like to go to the games. I'm still a big fan of the games, so... 
I enjoy sitting in the seats watching hockey. That must be uh, very fun for you to do with your family as well, to see not only your number raised in the rafters, but to also enjoy a hockey game. It is. I mean, living down in California now, I still go to games in L.A. I go to games in Anaheim. We sneak over to Vegas for a couple of games. So I still get my fair share of hockey in. How has the experience been, you know, going from Edmonton to Toronto to Buffalo to now you live in California, like you said, and then you, you, you either – you also experienced Vegas. Hey, you know, it's awesome. It's fun to have lived in different cities, seen different cultures and such. I mean, California is nice, but it would be nicer if they had hockey here where I am. So, so at some point we'll get somewhere closer to hockey or at least get back in the game again. How would you say the fan experience is compared to uh, – so, yeah, you went to Edmonton Games. Now you go to uh, Los Angeles Kings, Anaheim Ducks, San Jose Sharks, and Vegas. How, how is the fan experience compared to those five arenas that I just mentioned or five teams? But it's interesting. Edmonton, obviously, they're very knowledgeable, so it's a little bit quieter. The states are more of a raucous crowd, and Vegas is kind of an animal all to its own where it's, a lot of it's all about the show that goes on around the game. How have they, because, you know, they've, I've heard that, like, the pregame shows are just phenomenal for Vegas. And, you, obviously, you've been there. So, how are the pregame shows? They're phenomenal. I mean, if a person hasn't seen it, it's worth going to see because it is such a great production. That, yeah, I must say. Uh, did you, have you ever been to, um, as a fan, have you ever been to a Vegas playoff game or a California playoff game? I've been in Anaheim for a couple of playoff games. I've been up in L.A. for a playoff game. I've yet to make it to Vegas for a playoff. I was in Vegas during a playoff game, but didn't end up going to the game. Oh, man. I must, because, like, you know, Vegas, they do a phenomenal job, whether it's in the regular season or uh, playoffs. You know, I'm sure it would have been great for you to uh, see a playoff game down there. Oh, no. The atmosphere around the city was phenomenal. I mean, that was, it was, I think it was more fun taking that in than it would have been taking the game in as the atmosphere was great. Now, would you say that they're that in Vegas uh, that they partied on the streets near the arena? Well, they definitely have a full-on viewing experience. We'll call it that, where they have a lot of fun around the game. That that's really cool. That's really cool to hear. Now, uh, moving into our last question here, do you have any uh, aspiring advice? Do you have any advice for aspiring goaltenders that may look up to you? Well, I think the biggest thing you have to do is have fun every day. I mean, you know, there's going to be bad days. You know, there's going to be good days, so it's trying to stay on an even keel. And I think that's the hardest part for a goalie is to just be in an even keel where there's not too many ups, there's not too many downs, and you just play. And I think that's the biggest thing you can do because it gives your teammates confidence. All right. Well, I'd like to thank, again, Grant Fear, five-time Stanley Cup champion, for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you again, Grant. It's my pleasure.